Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Dr. Moore, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning, man. How your brothers doing? We're doing great. Hey, Gio, you're a brother now. I know. How about that? Hey, welcome to the club. I can't wipe the smile off my face. <laughs> Hook them horns, doctor. Can I still get a Likewise, cab outside? Or? Can you... Can you... <laughs> No, nope. there right. go your cab privileges uh. in New York City. <laughs> Dr. Moore just ruined them for you. Let me get this right, Doc, and I'm usually wrong about stuff, but I am not on Wikipedia today, so hopefully okay. I have this right. You finished high school with a 1.6 grade point average. Yeah, man, don't tell a lot of people that, but yeah. And then you went on to get a bachelor's degree in history from Jackson State University. How the hell did they admit you with a 1.6 grade point average? And then you got a Ph.D., from the Ohio State University at the age of 26. Really? Yeah, man, it, it just kicked in, man. You know, I, I was a black suburban kid, just, you know, not really interested in school, and I went to Jackson State, and the professor cussed me out my third semester, you know, and um, that kind of that kind of triggered it for me, man, so I turned things around, and uh, I didn't realize how easy school was, Brian, if you actually study. Yeah, yeah, you know what, that's interesting you say that because I go back after the NFL and, and just knock it out of the park. And while I was playing there at UT and also at UCLA prior to UT, I would just make sure I was eligible to play. I wouldn't do anything right. during football season. And then you're on the dean's list during the, the spring <laughs> semester. So I, I'm like you, it finally kicked in. Now, you have worked with many high-profile athletic programs. That's why I wanted to have you on the show because I have been, yep. we and we have been discussing, my brother here, uh, <laughs> we have been discussing uh, just the lack of diversity in hiring practices at the collegiate level. We know we have the Rooney Rule at the NFL level. But at the collegiate level, I mean, I'm watching all these jobs come off the board here uh, recently. Just yesterday, Oregon State tabbed uh, one of their former players, offensive coordinator from the University of Washington. No head coaching experience, but, yeah, he gets a job in a Power 5 school. When you're talking, when you're working with the likes of a Nick Saban and a Les Miles in the past, Mark Rick when he was at Georgia and now at Miami, you know, a Mac Brown there at the University of State, what are you saying to these coaches and the administrators at these particular institutions about diversity the thing about administrators man and let me say this man most people we're going to hire who we know who we're comfortable with you know and my i'm a vp at the university of texas if i'm not careful brian i will hire all middle class black folk you know what i'm saying because that's the world that's the world i operate in so to say it's racist i think that's a bit too far I think these good old boys are hire people they know. For instance, Ray Anderson is about to hire her. Matt was at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. That's his boy. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and from a personal man, I had, a, I had an interview for, for a dean's position at a prominent Big Ten school. And when I was interviewing with them, there was a good old boy in the back of the room. And throughout the interview, Brian, I could tell he was thinking, can this young brother raise money from our rich white alums? And he came to the conclusion that I couldn't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so what I tell ADs, man, you got to bring black folk into your circle. But we as black folk, Brian, we got to admit that we got to be willing to do some of the tough stuff, like going to play golf with white folks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Going to hobnob in places where we may not feel 100% comfortable. 
So I think, man, it's, 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 we need more opportunities, but we have to make sure that we're doing everything we need to do to be in the network. And secondly, I'll say this, man, it's tough for some of these black assistants. If I'm a black assistant at Texas making 400000 Brian, Am I going to jump off that train and go get a job at a mid-major where I may make less money or the same amount of money? So some guys say, you know what, I'm an assistant at Texture, Alabama. I'm just going to ride this out for 25 years because i got a good life. Do you think that the Rooney Rule is working in the NFL, and could something like that work in college football as well? Yes, I think, I think it is working. There, there is a value in going through the interview process. I've talked to a lot of guys in the league. And they said, Doc, I'm not going to be a token interview. I'm like, brother, you need to go interview to find out what the process is like. That's how Mike Tomlin got hired at Pittsburgh. And so Mm -hmm. we can never, man, turn down an opportunity to be in front of owners or be in front of decision makers. Could it work in college? I don't know. The one thing I think black assistant coaches have is that when you look at these teams, man, 80%, 90% black. You know what I'm saying? So I think what you'll start to find is that these players, some of these young men are going to start to demand um, that some of these head coaches be African Americans. Well, what as far as the Rooney Rule, it has worked. And our, our buddy Anthony Land, he said, just going through the process, knowing he probably wasn't going to land the gig, but now he knows what that process entails as far as that Rooney Rule and, and interviewing. And he finally got his shot uh, there with San Diego. Now, at the collegiate level, you have something called the pledge, but it's not binding. And 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 and, 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 and there's a pledge, and they always bring it up each and every year at these AFCA meetings. But yet, no one really takes it. Uh, as a serious endeavor. Right. I mean, I think, I think the recruits are going to have to start demanding it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was amazing when Charlie Strong was here, the number of recruits he brought through Texas and the number of people he could get an audience with just because he was an African-American. And you know, Brian, historically, these colleges have used these top black assistants as recruiters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You go to the inner city, you go to the hood, you go interact with, with the family – and then you let the head coach come in and close. And black assistants have been being used like that, man, for the last two to three decades. Gio and Jones with Dr. Leonard Moore, history professor at the University of Texas and the founder of the Black Student Athlete Summit. So you think the main problem is, as you mentioned, that you believe there's not enough people who are hiring that believe that a black head coach could help in with the boosters. For example, Red McCombs with Charlie Strong, he made that comment of, oh, I think maybe he'd be a good coordinator, right? Uh, so you, Without so, a doubt. So you think that's where it's at. Do you think that maybe winning at a high level trumps that? Like if, if you have a, a national champion head coach, black head coach, do you think that'll open more doors or are these individual bases with the, with the boosters in a particular university? I think it's a lot easier in basketball than football. Um, I think it takes a very courageous athletic director. Now, Steve Patterson, when he was AD at Texas, everybody came to the conclusion he was an a-hole, all right, Mm -hmm. for a whole host of reasons. But sometimes it may take that kind of personality, not to hire one black coach, but to hire two. He hired Charlie Strong and Shaka Smart. You know what I mean? So an an AD has to be very courageous because, again, you were talking about, when talking about these head football coaches, you know, pretty much in some places the most powerful person in the st- in the entire state and so these ad's got to get it right man and it's a big risk ad's to hire black black coaches man yeah yeah it is i was watching one of your videos one of your interviews and, and you you talked about a word that uh we abhor here especially when it's used in conjunction with sports privilege yeah. 
And, and, and some coach way back when came up with that as a teaching and a motivational technique. It's a privilege to be on this field. As if, and, and most people uh, don't know the meaning of privilege. It's a right. It's something that's granted to you. Nothing is granted to you on the court, on the football field, but what have you. And, and uh, speak to that, please. Well, I think it's funny because, you know, these coaches on the first day of, you know, summer school or camp, they'll tell these guys, you know, it's a privilege to be here. And I'm like, hold on a minute, Coach. You've been recruiting me since I was in the ninth grade. You've been texting me every other day, calling me, coming to my games. And the analogy I give, Brian, if I invite Gio to my house for dinner, I invite him 15 times. And then he finally comes on the 16th time, and I says, you know what, Gio, it's a privilege for you to be here. He's going to be like, hold the hell on a minute, Doc. You invited me to dinner. <laughs> but, but what happens, Brian, is that these kids are getting recruited. See, when these kids are 15, they have the upper hand on the coach. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Jim Harbaugh sleeping in people's living rooms and all that nonsense. But then when they sign with the school, that's when the de-recruiting occurs. I mean, some of these young men across the country were telling me, Dr. Moore, this coach recruited me since I was in the ninth grade. And then my first day on campus, my first month, the coach wouldn't even speak to me. And the coach won't return my parents' phone calls. So that's the de-recruiting process where the coaches have to, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. recoup, recoup the power they've given over to the high school kid once they get on campus. You're seeing a lot of black professional athletes get involved in politics more than we've seen in well since back the, the Jim Brown era, um, and, and rightfully so with, with the climate. Uh, what, what is your take on some of the... Uh, protests and, and the way that today's professional athlete is trying to get the word out? Um, I like it, but then I don't like it. I like the fact that these brothers and sisters are finding their voice, but I don't like the fact that we as a society and we as black folk, you know, put all this pressure on 21, 22, 23-year-old black men who have a short professional life. For example, all the killing that goes on in New Orleans, Eli and Peyton Manning are never asked to go back to inner-city New Orleans where they are from and rebuilt New Orleans. But a lot of these black athletes, you know what I'm saying, we put all this pressure on them, you know, don't stand for the flag and all this kind of stuff. And I think, man, a lot of that pressure should be placed upon black professionals who got money, who got careers, and you know what I'm saying, who have some degree of financial security. It is a lot to ask a 21-year-old not to stand for the national anthem. When I go to my daughter's basketball game she plays in high school, um, I don't mind standing for the flag, but you feel, you feel pressure you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. just to acquiesce. Mm-hmm. So, so to ask these young brothers to do that stuff, man, we're putting way too much pressure on them. Yeah, I would agree with that that assessment. Now let me ask you about the uh, Missouri phenomenon and all this. A couple seasons ago, the football players went say, we're not showing up, and uh, all they saw there in the SEC was uh, the loss of a lot of dollars because of the racial strife that persisted there on, on, on campus, and that got folks to move and do some things right. and change some things there on campus, and Missouri's still dealing with the, the fallout from that. But you, do you foresee more of that occurring? I, here's what I tell presidents and athletic directors. Your school is one incident away from a Missouri. These young people are conscious. Black Lives Matter got them conscious. Kaepernick got them conscious and all this kind of stuff. And I tell these 80s athletic directors, you need to meet with your black athletes at least once a month just to find out how things are going on. Now, here's the problem. A lot of head coaches are control freaks, you know. Mm -hmm. And so one athletic director in the SEC said, Dr. Moore, I was meeting with my black athletes every month, but the head coaches didn't like it. The head coaches thought that the AD was stirring stuff up. No, the AD realized 
if we have one more Charlottesville type incident, man, it could be over. And these young people are organized in ways that the head coach nor the athletic director can't even imagine. Dr. Leonard Moore is our guest, history professor at the University of Texas and the founder of the Black Student Athletes Summit. What are some of the things with the Black Student Athletes Summit that you try to accomplish? Brian, what we want, I came up with this summit because I would get calls from ADs across the country about, Dr. Moore, how do I deal with the race issue? You know, and they, they, don't, they didn't know how to deal with it, man. So we put on a three-day summit, and it's not really for black student-athletes. It's for people who work in athletics and who touch the student-athlete. You know what I mean? How do we help them see that? You know, how do we help athletic departments? Um, you know, how do you build a structure? You're bringing brothers from the hood. How do, you, how do you create a structure at USC or UCLA, Brian, that's literally white, but now you're bringing these brothers on campus, and the, and the value system is totally different. Mm-hmm. We talk about everything from mental health, everything from postgraduate opportunities, and we and we really try to put emphasis to the ads. We want ads to be ads and quit giving their power over to the head coach. So, man, we, it's a three day summit. We get about 300 people, and it's a phenomenal gathering, and it's been very productive. What uh, give us a sense of the the lay of the land there at the University of Texas, man? Man, man, the job at Texas is tough. I, let me say this first of all. The black student-athletes at Texas, they have the best support structure in the country. So there shouldn't be a single black athlete, male or female, who leaves Texas and says, well, Texas did me over. They, they interact with black professors. We got a strong black support structure, black mental health counselors. So the black folk at Texas can't complain. <laughs> all right? <laughs> but as it relates to the football field, Brian, it's a tough job, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, you know, we get caught up in this weird Texas stuff, but I think most people went to Texas. I told a group of alums just the other day, Texas is very similar to UCLA academically. You know, if you went to Texas in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, in the first part of this century, if you applied now, you wouldn't get in. Texas had 53,000 applications this year for 7,000 slots in the freshman class. Mm. And wow. so you got these former Longhorns who want to create this Alabama-type environment. It ain't happening here. And further, Austin is no longer a college town. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are a lot of options for the entertainment dollar in Austin, Texas. So it's not – it's a different job, man. And I don't think people realize that until they get here, how well, tough it is. Well, lastly, I'll ask you, uh, how confident are you in, in what you're offering and, 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 and uh, promoting is in your initiatives and, and how – how confident are you that we are making progress, whether it's on the athletic field or off, and just in society in general? I think, man, we are making a lot of progress. You know, I, I agree with my man Jason Whitlock sometimes that we get caught up in this Twitter world where Twitter magnifies problems. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what encourages me. When I see a Tom Herman, every week he has these personal development sessions with the team and they're required to go. Brian, that wasn't happening 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah and how a lot of these coaches now have integrated personal character development into the fabric of, of the team, into the fabric of the, uh, the culture, the fabric of that culture. So I think, man, we are making a lot of progress. we got a long ways to go, though, man, but we, we can't deny that progress isn't being made. What time's dinner? <laughs> oh, oh, well, y'all, y'all, are you coming to dinner? Well, you invited <laughs> me 16 hey. times, so I figured I'd finally say yes. Hey, 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 Brian, hey, Brian, I heard the folks down here don't like you, man. They say you be hating on the program. Who, who said that? 
They say you hard on the Longhorns, man. I, I no, I, I was hard on the, the previous, uh, not Charlie Strong, but uh, the, his the regime prior to him. He hated Mac Brown. I did Doc. not hate him. Yeah. That is not true. Let's just cut to the chase. I did here. not hate him. We just had our little run-ins when I was working there in Austin, and and he wanted me to tow the company line. I, I'm not yeah. a company man, and, and so uh, we 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 got a little sideways. Brian, you know what I appreciate about Mac, man. He really looks out for those brothers, even after they finish playing ball for him. Mm-hmm. And he has never thrown a player under the bus. Yeah, that's true. I give him credit for yeah. that. But there's another part that a lot of y'all didn't see. You went in there during those sessions he and I had. You he and his henchmen. <laughs> All right, I, I hold no grudges against the man, none whatsoever. I got you. I got well, man, well, let me know. Let me know next time you come to Austin, man. We love to get you in front of some students. Man. I, I will. And Gio, the other brother here, appreciate <laughs> you joining right. us here on on Gio and Jones. Thank y'all. Appreciate you. Brother. You got it. <laughs> appreciate. It. See, I get to go to dinner, brother. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Doctor Leonard Moore. You know, he said something that's profound, and I've been saying this for a long, long From time. From UT. Welcome, <laughs> Horns. Welcome, and, and it's about familiarity, and, and you do hire who you feel comfortable with, and who is really who's in your inner circle, who you've had, you know, you, you've had dealings with, and and that's how you get the good old boy network. It is interesting, and it's a point that I'd never thought about. Where some of the reasons I thought that there weren't as many black head coaches was the traditional couldn't be a leader mm-hmm. and all those things that you've heard about black quarterbacks and I don't know if I can trust them, like all these classic sort of racial undertone things. But the one I never really thought about was the you know, the, the thought of the guy who has a lot of money. Can I put this black head coach in front of him and that guy want to still spend that much money on the program? That's one that never crossed my mind, but it's so obvious. Well, and that's what made Mac Brown so great because he was outstanding, one of the best I've ever seen Work a room. You talking about shaking hands and kissing babies? The man has it down, and that's why his name keeps surfacing as uh, maybe the next athletic director at the University of, of Texas because he, he he does that so well, and I'll give him credit uh, for that. And then you you have juxtaposed that with Charlie Strong, a guy didn't want to do all that, and even a Nick Saban when uh, the the Longhorns were hot on his heels, wanting him to come and replace Mac Brown. You know, he wasn't going to do all that that uh, hosting and, and having these big wigs in his office and, and on the sideline and all that stuff. That's just not how he, he goes about his business. He just wants to coach football, and he's damn good at it, and, and that's it. So there are those who they love that part of the job, and there are others who they, they recoil uh, in, in terms of uh, having to partake in, in, in that those activities. We're coming right back. Follow us on Twitter at Gio and Jones. Gio, I just want to put a bow on that conversation we just had with Dr. Moore because those are the type of conversations we should be having at large in our society. That was non-threatening. That was real. That was frank. And and he came at black folks. He came at white folks. Why can't we have these type of conversations without everyone getting all upset? Let's just have frank, honest conversations. I think the answer to that is there's not enough respect for one another. That's the answer to your question. If there was more respect for individuals across the board, then we'd be able to listen more to people. But I think that there's a lot of us, and I'll say us because we're all a part of it, that will go into things like that having already made up our Mm -hmm, mind. mm -hmm about the person that we're speaking to and how we feel about them 
because of where they come from or how they look. That, that's that's a great point. And, and, and my yoga instructor said the other day, she talked about enlightenment. And enlightenment is not having figured everything out. Enlightenment is about being open to knowledge and to learning new things, open to, to new wisdom and new ways of doing things. That's enlightenment, and that continues that into perpetuity. That's not something that ends, okay, I've arrived. No, I, I, I've... That was such a great interview, and I know we've had a lot of a great uh, guests on the show, but that was that was enlightening to me. And, and the manner in which Dr. Moore attacks the subject matter, that was so cool. And, and once again, he he talked about black folks, what they need to be, be doing better, and what white folks need to be doing better. These are the conversations we should be having in America, and you shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations. I also think there is an insatiable hunger from some that – want to feel the need to be better than someone. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like there's a there's this fulfillment thing like I need yeah. to feel more important than them. Because I need to they, yeah. protect my thing and you can't because have of their failings and, and because they are not happy with who they are. If you feel that way, that means there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There's something seriously wrong with you. If you have to only way you can uplift yourself is by looking down on someone else. Get help, please. Andrew Bogish. Perfect segue. Speaking of someone who needs help. Is he done? <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask him. Oh, you can add to the Hold on. Let me, let, let me what? rattle the cage a little bit. See if he... <laughs> Wait, no. I'm not done. <laughs> can slide some food under the door. <laughs> Maybe he'll stop. Oh. No, I have to do. <laughs> Caroline Wozniacki. Oh, let me Google that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she's hitched. Or she's getting hitched. It's true. Who is it at this time? It's another athlete. David Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Athletes, they keep it in the family, don't Yeah. Mm-hmm. David Lee was dating some woman who was in the Entourage movie, and then she left him, David Lee. She left David Lee to date the guy, Kevin Connolly, from the Entourage movie. Okay. Wow, that's a who, high drop off. I know. Oh, wow. And that Kevin Connolly guy is a Long Island guy. Right. So I knew that. Mm-hmm. And then they broke up, and now she's with some country singer. I followed that whole thing. What's her name? Sabina Gadecki. Was she the brunette in Entourage? No, she was the one, the blonde, who was dating Kevin Connolly in the movie, who there was a, a scene in there where her backside was exposed. I thought he was, dated the brunette in Entourage. Was oh, he early. did, but that was, yeah, right. Oh, okay. that, there was, right. So he dated, there was a couple of people, but yes, that okay. was, that's like um, Emmanuel Chirqui or something. That's oh, her name. Okay. But, uh, I'll take but, her. Yeah. So, you like her? Yeah. You'd like this one too. I think. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I probably well, think you would. Oh, but she's with the country singer. She is now, mm-hmm. yeah. I, he, yeah. He can write right. a new song. Right. Lost my baby <laughs> to, to, a radio. to a blank. <laughs> Moving race relations right along here. I see you. No. It's at the top of the chart. Yeah. You did what? Let's go get him. <laughs> Times have never been so dark. <laughs> Somebody help me find a no, rope. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't talk again. You did one line fine. Don't, yeah, don't right. go any further. Yeah, oh, I'm Mikey B now. No, you're you. <laughs> right. 
It is true. By the way, if you were wondering what Brian said before, there is a clue on our Twitter account. <laughs> we did not tweet out the word, nor did we replay the word that we had to dump, but there was a clue mm. on our Twitter account. You want to play that audio one more time? We were <laughs> talking about, I was doing Herm Edwards trying to relate to a college kid if he gets this Arizona State job, which looks like he will. And uh, I was towing the line, and then Brian, of course, jumped over the line. <laughs> I don't want no old pictures of penises drawn on people's faces while they're sleeping. <laughs> Whatever y'all do in that fraternity house. Yeah, that <laughs> so bad. So if you want to know what Brian said, there's a clue at Geo and Jones on Twitter. There's there's a clue. You should be able to find it. All right. Oh, I'm gonna miss you getting me in trouble. <laughs> me. Getting you in trouble. Yep. Sure. (laughs) All right, Bogish. Well, here's your report. It's brought to you by Cremo Shaving Cream. Beards have needs. Cremo Beard Products care for your beard no matter the length. Try Cremo Beard Products available at Walmart and Target. Maybe Dave Doran takes the Tennessee job today. The NC State head coach is reportedly choosing between the Vols and an extension from the Wolfpack. And then maybe... We'll have the Florida State job to discuss. Speculation growing in Tallahassee that Jimbo Fisher will leave for Texas A&M. Oregon's Willie Taggart has been linked to the Knolls, so the Ducks have apparently offered to add 2022 to his mm. current contract. That would go. raise Taggart's total compensation past $20 million. Oregon State is hiring Washington co-offensive coordinator Jonathan Smith as its new head coach, Smith was a Beavers QB from 1998 through a one in Arizona State. They don't have a street name now. Reportedly <laughs> on the verge of hiring Herm Edwards as head coach. Yes, that Herm Edwards who last coached in 2008 with the Chiefs, 1989, the last time he was a college coach. <laughs> Just picturing him getting lost on campus. <laughs> Where's the commissary? Anybody <laughs> know where that damn commissary is? Just oh. say what that girl was wearing. Yeah, uh, yeah come on. What's girl? up with these co Yeah, come cover up. Will you, my daughter? I've been sick now. I've been sick. <laughs> he does that. He puts that now at the end of things like some football guys do. Yeah. Like, they'll get after you now. Like, he does that all the time. <laughs> Well, now where, I, where, where's the communication building? <laughs> Next to the commissary. I can't find the damn commissary. So I'm going to find a communication building. Where's the stadium? <laughs> uh, uh, college basketball last night. Top-ranked Duke. Too much for the Hoosiers in Indiana. Late 17-4 run. Got the Dukies a 91-81 win. Fourth-ranked Villanova took care of Penn, 90-62. Tenth-ranked Miami, an 86-81 win at number 12, Minnesota. At number 24, Alabama snuck past Louisiana Tech, 77-74. Wait, they have all their players this time? They did. Full, Full alignment? compliment of the five <laughs> all the way through that one. Uh, first, LeBron James. Now, Anthony Davis, the unibrow toss for the first time in his career last night. His Pelicans were only down two when he was ejected in the second quarter, then lost by 18, 120-102 to the T-Wolves, head coach Alvin Gentry. Obviously, you can't lose a player like that and think that uh, things are going to be the same. The guy had 17 points in 17 minutes. Andrew Wiggins had 28 in the win for Minnesota, 28 as well for Steph Curry, 13 of them in overtime to get a 127-123 win at the Lakers. The Rocket win streak is six, and they're thumping the Pacers, 118-97. Three straight wins for the Pistons, 131-107 over the Suns, and the Knicks hammered the Heat, 115-86. 
despite Chris Depp's Porzingis injuring his right ankle less than three minutes into the game. The teams at x-rays were negative, and Porzingis could return, but then he never did. And Carlos Beltran became the sixth man to interview for the Yankee manager job yesterday. <laughs> I think they had to bleep either Wingo or Golick this morning. <laughs> Probably not, right? If they did, it wasn't for what Brian said. <laughs> like, I know this show's not going to be here, but... I'm sure that what they'll do in the new year will be better than that. I'll guarantee you that. Because I was just checking that out the other day. I mean, it can't be more boring, that stuff. And they're mm. doing these promos now. Find me a Mighty Mighty Boston song. All right, find that on YouTube. So, like, Isn't there one? So, <laughs> a, a Mighty who? Mighty Mighty Boston. You'll like them in a couple of years. Don't worry. Mm. So they, their promos are... Basically, them just having the most boring sports conversation you could possibly have with, like, music that sounds like the mighty, mighty Boston's behind them. So it's like, who do you like in the NFC? Well, when, when Pete gets it up, doesn't matter what which song. I'm sure it'll be. They all sound exactly the same. I also, uh, Golig has ended up in, like, the Drew Carey list where I don't like. He's unnerving skinny. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like, like him better heavier. Better fat. Yeah. yeah like Al Roker. Yes. Mm. Yeah, Al Roker looks deflated. And, and you know what? <laughs> James Brown, too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. JB looks deflated. Yep. Yeah. Do you have have something there, Pete? All right. So this is this is basically what their promo's like. It's like, uh, <laughs> hey, what do you think about the Eagles? Well, pretty good. I mean, I think that they're probably the best team in the NFC, but I don't know. So who, who are we talking about? Who's Who are the new participants on the show? Wingo and Goalie. That's what I just said. Oh. Trey Wingo and Michael. <laughs> I'm trying to talk us up. And then you gave me that. You <laughs> just totally. They're done. No, they're no, they're not. The oh, new, there's a new who's show. Who's a new? Oh, who the old ones? Never mind. <laughs> I can't even. Here I am trying to pump us up and trying to make a point about how we're better. And you have no idea even what I'm trying to say. This is why Eli went home. Because they came to him, they said, well, instead of letting Gino play, and Gino go, play what game? Like, what time is it in Oakland? And they're good. just like, eh, I'm just going to go home. Thanks, Ben. That is a good one there. <laughs> what are we talking about again? My point is. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Is it three no, hours ahead or three hours point. back in California? So, oh, okay, okay, okay. My point was, I think today's show was fun. <laughs> it was edgy. You know, there was different things. Risque. Risque. Oh, yeah. And, like, I was listening to the launch of that that new show. <laughs> Which new show? And uh, <laughs> and it was just, like, so... Wiggle and go, you dummy! Who's in it? So boring <laughs> to me. And I just, uh, you know, and what I said was... We got a month left here with us, and then I'm sure that whoever they put in here next will be less boring than them. So, oh, there you go. I'm with you. Let's go CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, just trying to be a little bit of a pep talk there because I felt good about the program today. And I didn't it help. Into, turn into cluelessness <laughs> because you were not focused. <laughs> Instead, you. <laughs> <laughs> so. I was worried about that country singer coming out. Yeah. Goal is now it's uh, to focus. Yeah. Oh, oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The goal is to focus. We're I so can't say what that. I said, but he can say that. That's the. It's amazing how the English language works. So I should have said mine with an accent? Um, no, because what he's, he's saying a particular word. So I was saying two words. 
<laughs> Actually, it's one. Uh, you never it? learn. Is it one? Anyway, yeah, anyway, <laughs> but basically, yeah. So that was the that anyway, was the yeah. Whatever comes after us, it's like you got to listen to this new show. Yeah, and uh, this is this is what it is. Well, I mean, the AFC could be. <laughs> I mean, probably the Patriots. I don't know. Well, what about the Steelers? Hmm. What about the Steelers? Ha! Listen today at six a.m. <laughs> wow. God, give me a break. Disgusting. <laughs> no one wants to come with me on this, I guess. I don't know what you're talking about still. <laughs> I haven't listened yet, so I, I can't formulate an opinion on it. <laughs> but I'll trust you. <laughs> no, I'm not listening now. I think I know why Brian's staying quiet, because in a month we're going to find out it's Wingo Golick and Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Mikey B and I like playing daily fantasy sports, and there are a couple of guys that we always go to for advice. One of the guys that I love listening to is Tony Mm -hmm. Niehaus, also known as Big T44, Big T44 DFS, and he is very entertaining on Roto Grinders, on his Twitter account, and also he's got great information. So I saw he was in some sort of distress a couple weeks back when a dentist dropped a drill down his throat and a piece <laughs> of it got stuck in his pancreas. So I we had him on the show, and we talked to him about that. And I said, hey, Tony, while you're here, why don't you give our listeners maybe one or two of these under-the-radar guys that you're so good at picking out? Because that's really what he's great at. It's like... this. He's I, Every time I'm sitting around on Sunday, I'm like, Big T called that before. I didn't believe him, but he called it. So this is him. This is Big T on our show, Tony. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, ahead of the that Bills game that went so far south. I've had some good luck with some of these scrub guys. This week it might be the big Peterman. Everybody everybody talking about Tyrod getting banned. I kind of like this Peterman guy from Pitt this week. <laughs> so we all know how that went. No. And Tony felt horrible about it. So he reached out and said, I have to redeem myself. So here he is, Big T, Tony Niehaus on Geo and Jones. Tony, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I mean, am I allowed to blame the dentist for that? <laughs> <laughs> sure, go ahead. <laughs> How much Peterman did you have that week? I mean, you didn't. was that a really terrible week for you? No, I mean, you're never going to go all in on a guy like that. But I probably had, I don't know, like 10 or 20% of my, my team's had him. So I had a little bit and. It wasn't fun. I mean, it it ended up actually being pretty funny. I mean, when it's that bad, you don't even have to really, like, get into it. You just laugh at yourself. (laughs) That was going to be my question. What were you thinking or how were you feeling sitting there watching that debacle? Yeah, I mean, we we were at the bar in 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 Nashville, Nashville, like a roto-grinders party, so everyone was there and everyone was kind of laughing about it. It turned into a – it was a pretty fun fun day just laughing at the guy. I mean, how bad can you be? (laughs) (laughs) And it it really is maddening, the whole thing. And I'm getting close to just – and I just dabble. I play basically twice a week with friends is what I end up doing because I just can't – I can't get too involved, but – I, last night, perfect example in the NBA, I have Bradley Beal and uh, Anthony Davis in my lineup. Beal gets hit in the face, gets cut, 
goes in a locker room for two and a half quarters and finally comes back to salvage a little something. And then Anthony Davis gets a run in the second quarter of the game. I was about to throw my phone through the television. I don't know how. I asked you this before. Your temperament for this is great. I don't know how the hell you do it because I just I just do not have that mentality that can deal with the ups and downs of this like you can. Yeah, that, that's the most important thing, too, for sure. Like, it's supposed to be Boogie that gets kicked out last night, right? It's not supposed <laughs> right. to be Anthony Davis. Right. I mean, he's holding Anthony Davis back. You're like, what in the world's happening? <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you ever had a situation where a guy you, 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 you high on, and I know you didn't – you only played him in 20% of your, your leagues, uh, Nathan Peterman, but you had a situation like that where you sat there and you're like, wow, what was I thinking? To, to be honest, it, it happened last week again. Like, uh, the Chiefs guys, first of all, when you're playing tournaments in DFS, like, you're going to lose more than you win. I mean, it, it's hard to win these things. There's a ton of people in it, and you only need to win a couple a year to, to make up for it. So there's going to be a lot more downs than ups in the tournament side of it, and Last week, I was huge on Paxton Lynch, so that went even worse. Oh, what is wrong with you? Stay away from the quarter. Stay away from the quarterbacks with a P in their name. (laughs) I'm not one of those those uh, people calling you saying they're winning eighty percent of the games and they win every bet and. Got to be honest with the people. That was another bad play. We're talking to Big T44, Tony (laughs) Niehaus of Roto Grinders, and now a friend of the show. We've developed a relationship with Tony now. All right, don't tell me you're on Geno Smith this week now, are you? Shoot, I I can't. I mean, (laughs) there's no way I can come come with him, I don't think. But I'm sure he'll go off because I'm not going to play him. So he may actually go off this week. All right. So, do you do you feel the need to redeem yourself on CBS Sports Radio with the with the listeners? If uh, if you're looking at the slate now, and there's a, there's a couple of things that are, are jumping out to you that you're pretty confident about, what what would they be? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to take the easy way out and give like a some some crazy easy play. So I'll, I'll come back with another cheap quarterback, and I really like Hundley this week. I, he looked good last week on was it the Sunday night game or? Yeah. Whenever we watch, but he looks really good. Finally, comfortable. Tampa Bay gets Jameis Winston back. I think that game could shoot out a little bit. And Green Bay at home. Rodgers is starting to get a little healthier. I think Hundley Hundley's a good play this week. He still got all the weapons. I mean, I don't know why he was as bad as he was for the the few weeks in the middle there, but I expect a big bounce back this week. Who is a good play on my Dallas Cowboys tonight? Oh. Who? Cowboys, man. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Cowboys, Cowboys have been rough. Rough, rough. Uh, they they got to get the running game going, right? I mean, Alfred Morris would be the guy I'd like if I was playing anybody, but I don't know, man. It, it, they got rough rough times out in Dallas right now. Alvin Kamara has been just amazing, oh. and he went off close Oof. to 40 DraftKings points on Sunday. He's now the, the highest salaried running back on DraftKings this week at, at 8400 is he worth that salary if you're going to play him this week? Uh, he's one of the he's one of the hot topics in DFS right now and you, you just can't play him at that price I don't think. I mean he's been awesome. He scores every week which helps his points but you, you can't pay that kind of price for Kamara who's still in a timeshare. I mean he's only getting half the work with Ingram there obviously. So I, I don't think you can really play either one of those guys at those prices especially with 
everyone knows how good he's been. So you get all that recency bias in there, and I just don't think he can play him. But, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean that he's not going to go off again either because he's still a really good player. But I think he's a bad play, though. What about Jimmy Garoppolo getting his first start? I like Garoppolo. I, I was using on Beatheart too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know it's I disappointing for you, course, right? But. Yeah, he he calls him Beatheart. He knows his Beathard. But uh, <laughs> but he uh, but you 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 love you have a CJ Beathard jersey, do you not? Yeah, that's another good story we can get into sometime. But yeah, I, I try because I had a good week with Kittle that week, and I, I always liked uh, Beathard. Obviously, called yeah. Beathard, but mm-hmm. they both went to Iowa, and yep. I had good success back in college DFS. And I had to get a jersey, so I go on the NFL, the NFL shop, and they don't even have a jersey for the guy. So I had to order it like I was ordering it for Kneehaus or something. <laughs> like you type your name on there. I had to go in there and literally type the guy's name since they don't even have a quarterback jersey. Come on, Niners. <laughs> Like I might be the only one out there with a beat heart. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, to see how Garoppolo plays, and I think his his price is uh, relatively affordable. What about Kareem Hunt? I've got him in season long. He's been killing me. I feel like I can't take him out of the lineup, and I know a lot of people went with him uh, last week in DFS because of the matchup, and he has just fallen completely off the face of the earth. He's all the way down to sixty nine hundred. On DraftKings, is that a uh, is that a play that you're looking at value wise? Maybe a bounce back week, or you think he's finished? I, I've been lucky with him. I've been fading him the whole time. I felt like he was a little lucky early in the season, just breaking long touchdowns and saving himself a little bit. And I'm just completely off him. I don't know. I mean, his price is starting to make more sense. And with the recency bias, I mean, he killed people two straight weeks, three straight weeks. So it might be a good time to hop on, but I'm still off. Maybe one more week. All right, and last one for you. The the biggest problem I've had in 2017 is is picking that defense. I cannot get the defense right. So this week, the slate, who are you feeling good about defensively? Usually I try to save the defense, but this week I think it's just a slam dunk. I mean, these top two defenses, the, the Chargers and the Jags, they're both in just straight smash spots. I mean, especially the Chargers. The Chargers are going to get like, 10 sacks this week versus Kaiser in Cleveland. I mean, they're 14 points at home. I know they don't have a great crowd there, whatever the Ricky Dink Stadium they're playing at, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to just destroy Cleveland. So, I mean, just pl- just play the Chargers, enjoy your maybe touchdown and six, seven, eight sacks and move on. All right, Tony. We got we got enough on record now. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to ride with you this week because I know the there's no. Is I can't do worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. There's no way you're going to be that bad uh, two times in a row. All right. Best of luck, and we appreciate you hopping on again. Thanks a lot, guys. It. All right. There's uh, Tony Niehaus, right, a too fun. daily fantasy sports genius, a man who's made a lot of money. It's his job. That's all yeah, he does. That's it's, it. in, it's incredible. This, wow. is, this is what his life is. This is his job. And you can catch him on Roto Grinders and on uh, Twitter, Big T44. Maybe I'll do that next. DFS. Mm. What, just to analyze yeah. uh, fantasy football? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a friend. That's all he wants to do. I, I There's a friend of mine who you met, my friend Eric. Yeah. All he wants to do is be that guy. He wants. He talks about. He read his story to me once, and how he wants to. He wants to be Big T. Yeah. He wants to win that one big tournament, a million dollars. You know, put like I don't know, six hundred thousand of it right. away. I mean, after taxes, you got to think about it, and then right. use the rest to play and just keep like keep playing yeah, and keep winning exactly. and be a full time. I That's could. Cool. I couldn't ever do that. It's just maddening. Yeah. It's just drive you crazy. Yeah.
drive you totally. Well, crazy. I mean, is it as crazy as being a gambler? I mean, if you it's the same thing. I know it's similar, yeah. but it's about the same same deal. Really? Yeah. So we can you can get addicted. Uh probably. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. The, a lot of these guys that did well or doing well in daily fantasy sports were like poker guys, mm. and they got into this. Gotcha. All right. Thanks to Tony Niehaus, Leonard Moore, Mikey B, Petey Meats, Bogish. Jock alone. Talk to you tomorrow. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.